everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Oh God, It Hurts! Oh God, It Hurts! Hi. You kind of sound like a pirate there, Ed. Har. Har. We be hurts in here. In Real the, good. In the seven seas. Hurts. Anyway, I am the Six Button Samurai, a.k.a. JJJ, and with me as always is my co-host of Oh God, It Hurts, Game Agent E.T. How are you, Eddie? Doing awesome, buddy. I'm yeah. just chilling like a villain. And I look forward to talking talking some shop with you today. Very nice. How are you? I am good. Um, had a busy but very good week at work. Uh, sort of plugging away on some things. Um, I've also been playing a little bit of games as well. Uh, I finally finished uh, Hi-Fi Rush, which was an outright delight. Um, It's not not a perfect game by any means. Like, the sort of... I think the only thing that I don't love about it is that instead of the levels, like sort of being populated by enemies like the way you might find in like an old school side scroller Mm -hmm. it's more like every enemy encounter is more like a very sort of scripted kind of moment where like you'll enter into like kind of a wide arena like space in the game and there'll be a bunch of them and i kind of wish that was a little bit different or that combat was slightly more organically dispersed in the game but despite that um the narrative and story sequences in the game were like super duper charming the gameplay is generally a lot of fun there's also really good variety in terms of like the sort of there's like these on rail sequences and these side scrolling bits and on the whole, I mean, a really, really excellent game that, you know, if you got a Series S or X, you should, and Game Pass, you should definitely partake of that. Yeah, like I said uh, last episode, I really want to play it. And I was just curious about the gameplay because of the fact that, I mean, I only saw the trailer. So I wasn't sure. If it really was kind of like a jet set radio where you did things in rhythm or if you were able to move around in an environment or if it was anything like Devil May Cry, things like that. So I kind of I haven't watched anyone play the game yet because, like I said, uh, you know, maybe someday I want to play it. So I didn't want to look at it immediately or spoil it for myself by watching it on twitch or anything uh but yeah i i was just hoping that the gameplay would not be uh totally on rails like you'd have the ability to kind of free flow and kind of do your thing and explore but i could understand if it's a little on rails well i mean it is and it isn't like the thing about the combat is that like the dynamic between you and the different special moves that you unlock um and then the helper characters that sort of form your little posse that grows over the course of the game um 
there the combat itself is very very creative and you know there's a lot of flexibility in terms of how you can dispatch your foes um the rhythm element is definitely present it's not the strictest timing in the world but i think it offers a little more malleability just so that like it never gets in the way of actually enjoying the game to me um it's definitely a bit easier than something like bayonetta or devil may cry um but I, i i don't know i mean i think it does a really nice job of like having depth but also remaining accessible um and there's some pretty cool surprises in it in terms of music choices um i don't know the the thing that happened at the end of it once i rolled credits that i was happy about is that i wondered if there was like a game plus sort of mode like you know if you could take your character and all the stuff you bought at whatever level and then continue on um but basically what it does is it gives you like a you were freely able to select the levels after that and apparently like the game offers the ruse of like there are still some robots to clean up dispersed throughout the levels so Hmm. um it gives definitely gives you some incentive to go back and keep trying to find everything or there's also another area called the rhythm tower that offers like more difficult, like rhythm based battles. So, okay. Um, really, hmm. really, really fun game, solid release. Um, I wish there were physical copies of it, but you know, <laughs> that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother gripe. Yeah. What I have mean, you been playing? Well, um, for me, uh, I told you uh, offline that I was uh, trying to get back into two games that I really keep putting off, but I don't want to do that anymore on this new year. I promised Mm -hmm. myself I'd be finishing some games. Right. So there are two RPGs that I am really looking forward to finishing. And uh, of course, one of them is Fantasy Star, which it it, it's hard for me to uh, to play a game where, I mean, it's old school grinding. Mm-hmm. And you got to be in the mood for that. It's not something right. that you can just sit down and say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna just play this game in right. any mood that I'm in. I'll, I'll play it. Um, mm-hmm. No, this is like something you kind of got to prepare for because it's uh, the type of game where you just sit down, you go through enemies. Uh, it, it's not going to be the most exciting, but the story is good. So you want to keep going, and uh, I have I've been watching uh, playthroughs to kind of get me back up to speed uh, to where I stopped, okay. and uh, I want to just remember everything up to that point because unfortunately, uh, not all games are like Dragon Quest Eight where they kind of remind you what you're doing. <laughs> so, right. So that's or even why Fantasy I'm- Star Four with the ability to talk. To yeah. other characters <laughs> exactly so yeah but i'm looking forward to finishing it i'm hoping to finish it uh finish it by the end of march and also another game that i highly recommend to everyone is a game called moon mm-hmm. which if you ever played earthbound this game is just as out there as earthbound 
but it's super fun. The story is amazing. And I think if you want a unique story, you got to play this game. It's on Switch and many other systems, I believe. I think it's on PS4 and I think it's on Steam. So you might not have an excuse anymore to not play the game, but those two I'm playing right now. And I highly recommend uh, this game called Donut Dodo, which Mm. is a callback to old retro games like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Popeye. It's a, yeah, it's an amazing game because of the fact that it looks like it could have been a game that was out during those times of Donkey Kong. Pac-Man, whatnot. It could have been in an arcade. Mm-hmm. And it's really engaging. The The game's simple, but at the same time super challenging. It's definitely Nintendo hard, as people would say, where it's gonna take you several months to get good at this game. But it's so fun. It's, uh, yeah, something I highly recommend. De- definitely check it out if you can. That sounds like good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit torn right now as to exactly what to play next. Um, I was lucky enough in that our good friend, uh, Mr. Frejo, mm-hmm. uh, grabbed me a physical copy of Metroid Prime Remastered. Oh, yeah. So, I, heard, I heard that that's getting hard to get right now. Yes. It's a little rare. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <sighs> You would think by now mm-hmm. that Nintendo would have better fingers on the pulse with their audience. Yeah. Um, I sort of appreciate like the quasi surprise nature by which this game dropped. I mean, I think we were just touching on both like the reason I haven't beaten Metroid Prime last episode but also like the interesting phenomena of a game just suddenly being available, which yeah. like feels like it's a growing phenomenon. Like Hi-Fi Rush was much the same way. They did a developer video and then bam, the game was just available on Xbox. Um, but like they should know by now that like the Metroid fan base is they're an intense group of folks and they love this series and they pretty much devour whatever you're going to throw out that's Metroid <laughs> branded. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't like it's annoying because it's like, it's really like an age old Nintendo tactic to like, uh, we're not sure exactly how this thing's going to do. Let's maybe underproduce it a bit. And then <laughs> it's impossible to find, you know, yeah, so, I remember the uh, NES and Super NES Mini consoles. Yes. That was painful. Uh, you had those, um, both the Game & Watch, or uh, I don't think the Zelda Game & Watch really generated exactly the same thing, but the Super Mario one definitely did. That oh, one became a hot item in the U.S., definitely. I didn't know that because in Japan it was kind of always in stock. It was never in any danger of disappearing. Well, I think that makes sense because obviously the the Game & Watch was a much more consistent and prevalent phenomenon in Japan. Yeah. 
like there were so many more of those units released there than here. Um, hmm. A lot of Japanese exclusive ones. Um, but I just, man, like you would think that a company that size by this point would just at least have the market research tentacles to sort of know like, you know, how many people potentially would buy something of theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just, it's a little bit odd that sometimes a company that big as big as Nintendo is, is caught flat footed with these things in moments. Yeah. I think, uh, maybe other companies like Sega, when they released the Sega Genesis mini, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anyone complain about, Oh, I can't find this anywhere. Right. They did a good job with that. Um, I guess Turbo Graphic 16, I don't know how that went, but here in Japan, uh, the PC Engine Mini, you could get it for a decent amount of time until they dried up, and now it's pretty rare. <laughs> so yeah. I'm lucky I have one. But From what I understand, the the Turbo was pretty hard to get. Like I've never seen one at retail myself. And I think for the most part, it wound up being like a Amazon and certain specialty retailers commodity. Yeah, because that's basically what the TG-16 was. I mean, not many people knew about it. And the people that did know about it, yeah, they would like to buy it. So Mm -hmm. that's why the numbers weren't as big as Sega Genesis. But yeah. and that's kind like, of sad too, because I think most people, most retro folks, their impression of those mini consoles was that the PCE slash Turbo might have been the best one of those. Yeah. Like in terms of the quality overall of the entire library that came with it, the amount of care put into it. I mean, it was obvious that uh, developer M2 really loved the turbo graphics slash PC engine um because it was exceedingly well done. Um, yeah. They so, always do good work. One of my yeah. favorite developers. Yep. I wish they would do everything, but they yeah. are only one company. It's true. Yeah. I wish they did Pac-Man Museum Plus. Uh, I wouldn't still have it if they did. I sold it like it was a virus. Yeah. It was so disheartening. I couldn't stand it, man. I just so, I was going to say, speaking mind. of which, uh, Bamco dropped another deuce on gamers uh, yeah. <laughs> in uh. the form of the Tales of Symphonia remake. Um, yeah. This one was kind of a known thing, though, because for a long time, they had basically stated that it was going to be 30 FPS, yeah. which is bananas when you think that the GameCube original was a rock-solid 60 frames per second. Um, you know, we were just graced with Metroid Prime Remastered, which runs on the Switch at 60 frames per second, but has gotten an overwhelming visual overhaul that looks considerably better. And yet, this other GameCube game somehow was released in, you know, 
playable at 30 frames per second. And I just, I don't, I don't understand how, how could, cause you think about how many people would have to sign off to allow that to happen. Yep. And I just, well, why would you ever think that your fan base would be accepting of a 20 year old game being released in 2023 with half the frame rate of its original on uniformly better hardware. Yeah. Um, what word on the street is, uh, this, uh, remastered version with air quotes is Mm -hmm. from the PlayStation two version, which was Mm -hmm. 30 frames per second. Uh, from what people say, Bandai Namco lost the original, uh, software, I guess the, 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 the original, code. yeah, source code that mm-hmm. they had for the game. Yeah. And of course, people love Tales of Symphonia. They clamored for it for years. And they're like, well, all we got is this PS2 version that we have in our files. Do you, maybe you want that one? <laughs> mm-hmm. They uh, kind of did the Inafune. Uh, right. Uh, it's better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know Inafune, he's the guy who made. Well, he says he made Mega Man, but right. I doubt it. <laughs> he's the genius behind the Kickstarter. Oh God, <laughs> miracle that was Mighty Number no. Nine. No, 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 no. That's you said. It. <laughs> just, just twist the knife, please. Uh, uh, just end it all. Oh my sorry. God, it's terrible. No, that's a. Uh... I know that's a sore point for you. Yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> um, so we got a pretty big Street Fighter Six reveal uh-huh. in the form of getting a look, first look at Zangief, Cammy, yes. and a brand new character, Lily. Yes. Um, what was your impression of these three characters, Eddie? Zangief looks pretty awesome i mean just his his uh model his body and his face they're a little diff they're quite different from uh, street fighter 5 but i'm really digging this new model i mean his proportions look even i i I, it's hard to say it looks like he's a little bit more i I feel like he's more rounded but at the Mm -hmm. same time it looks cooler yeah, I, I I just can't uh, explain it well, but I really like the look. Um, I felt like uh, the only thing he really needs back, and people want this back ever since the Super Turbo days, is the green hand, man. Where's the green hand? <laughs> the banishing fist? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was one of his uh, get-in moves that everyone loved in Super Turbo. And like, why did you take that away? Uh, that was the only thing I I felt was missing, but otherwise he's a great character. Uh, Lily, uh, I didn't know. I I mean I heard I I saw the little sketches that they had that they kind of leaked out before all the reveal trailers for Street Fighter Six, and Lily mm-hmm. was part of that list. Right. And I didn't know if uh, if she was related to a character or not from Street Fighter lore, and 
it looks like she is part of a uh, T-Hawks tribe. Mm. So she'll have the, uh, I guess the condor dive and, okay. uh, she'll have the command throws, but obviously she's not as big as T-Hawk. So it'll be a little different. She right. looks cute. I mean, she looks very playful and I'll give her a try, but yeah, what I was most impressed with was of course, Cammy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh, Number one, the outfit's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, number two, I really love the homage to uh, the Street Fighter 2 anime where she flips over someone's body and while she's flipping over, twisting their neck and then landing mm-hmm. right behind them and taking out their knees. Yeah. That part of the anime was so iconic for her. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad they finally put that in the Street Fighter game. It looks yeah, like she's I mean... super buff too. It's that's definitely like a deep cut and another giant nod to like the OG era of SF2 fandom. So yeah. naturally that got a lot of people very, very excited. Um, it's also interesting that the overall portrayal of the character seems much more in line with what we got out of that character from the animated movie. You know, she's much more of a like kind of cold blooded professional killer. Um, It seems like she's really jaded now, which is awesome because she's been through a lot of crap. Right. And that fits that storyline really well. So you want to know what's up with her now that supposedly M Bison is gone. Yeah. But you never know. He might come back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they kind of gave her Blue Mary's Bob haircut. Yeah. Um, she's rocking the Union Jack. Yep. Um, and yeah, uh, I think people were very, very excited about that. Um, there's a lot of people that also main geef who were definitely pleased by uh, the first real look at him. Um, I don't know about the whole Lily thing. Like it's like, if you look at T-Hawk in the original super turbo, like uh, it's kind of a, there's definitely some leaning on stereotypes with the way that character is. Um, A little. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how this one's going to play out. Um, I suspect that, like, she might wind up being one of those sort of, like, a character that isn't played consistently, but a few people will, like, really explore what that character can do, and they'll be dangerous because of it. You know what I mean? She feels like a born sleeper character. Yeah. Um, which is fine. You know, every character shouldn't be like the most interesting or flamboyant or popular. You know, you have to have some sort of dark horses among them. Um, but, but, but no, I kind of um, think, uh, like you were mentioning before, she doesn't look as stereotypical as Tiag does. Right. And uh, that's what I like. I like that you if you didn't know her backstory you're kind of interested to know where she came from and right. what kind of style she has in for fighting and yeah. it's 
I think overall, this whole game, all the characters that they're all out now, the the whole starting lineup for this game, um, a lot of the uh, all the characters look like they belong. It's not like Street Fighter Five where when we had uh, characters like Guile. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the first time you saw Guile, but Guile looked really weird. <laughs> mm. uh, especially without his glasses. He didn't look like Guile. He kind of looked like an old man. <laughs> okay. A sullen old man. Um, and also, there were other uh, characters that... Uh, I think I remember... Uh, Cammy looked really different in Street Fighter V when she first came out. Mm-hmm. And people were complaining that she didn't look cute enough, especially in Japan. Yeah. So they changed her look and she became more anime like. Hmm. And Street Fighter <clears throat> 6, I think they kind of went back to she kind of looks like what she kind of looked like in Street Fighter 5, and I think that's good. Okay. I wouldn't change it because like I said, it fits her storyline. She's probably seen a lot of crap and she just she's dealing with a lot of personal things in her life, I'm sure. Even her storyline bio says that she's really moody. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't change that. Yeah. I think they all look good. All these characters look good. I'm excited. Can't no, wait. No, it just feels on an artistic level, it feels like a much more coherent package than maybe SF5 was until like the bitter end. Yeah. You know, like the last couple of seasons with that game. Um, but no, um, I'm definitely excited about it. And I know most players are, so it'll be, it'll be pretty fantastic when street fighter six finally drops in what June. Yeah. Um, yeah. the gameplay, uh, it, it, it's going to take me uh, some time to get used to because it, it is feeling like a, a quite a different game. Okay. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about that a lot of pros are talking about. Where I'm not going to go into detail because I don't understand it. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff you got to kind of pick up on or study. New systems. Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated than before. It's not like Street Fighter V where they try to make it like super turbo, like a lot more simplistic. They actually put in a lot of stuff that you're going to have to know your stuff to be able to survive online if you play online. Okay. But yeah, excited. Totally excited. For sure. We're going to take a quick break right now and we're going to share a message with you from one of our fellow podcasts right here on the Ruminations Radio Network. Stay tuned. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back! Woo! Are we better than ever? Better than ever. That's all I want to know. What? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the real power? Go Go back back to to school. school. (laughs) Uh, Wolf Hawkfield. Oh, Wolf. Wolf from Virtua Fighter 4. Yep. What a thing to enjoy. Um, 
Following up on no less interesting, but admittedly less fun news, um, there's a very strange thing happening, um, you know, with the Activision Blizzard merger saga, which has been going on now almost longer than the rumors about uh, Switch Pro. Yeah, or at least it feels that way. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you know, right now it seems as if uh, the European block is going to not allow for the Activision Blizzard merger. Um, which again, like we've had this exceedingly weird process where, like representatives of the different manufacturers particularly xbox and playstation have been sort of arguing around or against the merits of this merger and the announcement that happens where it's been said that there's a formal agreement that will bring call of duty games to nintendo platforms for like the next 10 years yeah and like, hmm. that's such a strange <laughs> mix of bedfellows. Um, yeah. Because number one, right now, anybody that is serious about Call of Duty mm-hmm. is never going to consider playing it on a Nintendo Switch. Exactly. For a galaxy of reasons, you know, uh, chief among them. The hardware cannot come close to making the game even look pretty much like what it does on PS4. Not to mention um, the frames per second. It'd be probably right. running at 30 to 45 frames on a consistent level. Yeah. And that's and not that's, good for any FPS. And that's looking consistently uglier. Yep. Um, which, again, like absolute death for a game that is primarily played online, as that one is. Um, so if we're talking 10 years worth of Nintendo hardware, then this presumes that there would be call of duty titles on whatever the next Nintendo piece of hardware is, which again, if we're just playing the odds here, whatever that hardware is, it's probably not going to be as powerful as Xbox Series X or PS5. I mean, I think that's a pretty reasonable guess mm-hmm. at this point. Um, particularly if Nintendo is intent on keeping the form factor, which you and I have both said before, we really hope they do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, super strange, and I can't you and I were both scratching our heads about this one. It's like I can't think of a press release announcing something like that, that was of so little interest to either fan base. (laughs) Like, like it's not, it's not something that real call of duty people are going to care about in the least. Like our buddy Optimus zero fucks given. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You and and I are going to grow the fan base either. I mean, right. the fan base is already established on better 
platforms with better hardware. I shouldn't say better platforms, but platforms with better hardware. That's well, I mean, better way to hardware say that is more suited for that particular game, to be sure. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, people that are really into Nintendo Switch probably don't give a shit overall either. I'm sure I mean, they there might will be try a few. It, yeah. There might be some people that, like, you know, if, like, some child's dad, like, is it, it curious about Call of Duty, but, like, the, it, they're never going to plonk down for a PlayStation or an Xbox, and that happened to be available or something. They might, but I don't know. It just it feels like such a bizarro reach, and it was such a thing that was just, like, designed to sway regulators <laughs> looking at looking at this deal on either continent rather than anything that was actually meant for like fans like it, it just really yeah. really weird i we, weird piece of news yeah i mean i can understand that you want to have like a little bit of the pie that Nintendo has. I don't know if you would want to do it with Call of Duty, though. And not only that, from what the reports have been saying, they have been saying that the versions of Call of Duty that are going to be on Nintendo Switch will be on... I wouldn't say on par in terms of technical uh, technical uh, abilities, but the features will be on par. Right. And that's really strange because you would think, wouldn't you want to do something special for the Nintendo Switch if you had to make a Call of Duty? Do something that is more suited for the Switch's hardware? And not only that, like, um, yeah, the successor to Switch, if it was anything like a PS4 even, I could see it kind of being feasible i think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't mind bringing call of duty like single player games on the go uh when they're on a trip or something uh but switch has never been known for being an online type of system where you can play competitively online for a game like that where you want to be on a connected uh like, like you want the connection to be direct. You don't want it to be on Wi-Fi. Because any FPS... I mean, yeah, if you have Splatoon, sure, yeah. Well, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal if you're playing on Wi-Fi. But if you're playing Call of Duty, you probably want a direct connection. And I don't think a lot of people would be clamoring for a Call of Duty on Switch or even uh, the Switch successor, like, I don't know, playing on the go, at least. It's more of a console, like, home console, like, stay at home and play it type of game. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, not only that, it's weird because the tweet that uh, the president of Microsoft put out, he said Xbox games are coming to Nintendo. But he also had a caption, like a screen capture of the message mm -hmm. that I wanted to show, and it was just Call of Duty. 
So a lot of people were confused. They were like, are you saying that there's more games besides Call of Duty that Microsoft wants to bring out on Nintendo systems? What what's what are what are you doing? What's what's the deal? Mm-hmm. So that's why I think there were too many questions that came out of this uh, the, this bit of news, and hopefully there's more clarification. But I agree. I don't know what Actus Acta Blizz. Act of Blizz King is trying to do here. <laughs> I don't know if it's like you said, trying to sway European governments that you know they they have deals in place. I don't know. I I you would think that the governments would kind of frown upon like, hey, we're gonna have this deal with Nintendo, even though we haven't been cleared to have this merger. I mean yeah. I mean, the whole thing just smacks of, um, you know, that long-running meme where it's like, no one, absolutely no one, Activision Blizzard, hey, we're bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo consoles. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is somebody, this is a thing that nobody asked for. When's the last time uh, Call of Duty was on? A Nintendo console, wasn't it Wii? Yeah, I'm willing to bet that there was... Actually, I know there was a port, or might have been a couple of ports of some of those, like, 360-era Call of Duty games that just, like, obviously you'd get a severe downgrade in visuals to, like, 480p and a lot less geometry, and I think they had, like waggle controls added so it was kind of like the Wiimote was like a gun if they market it right maybe it would work like you could say oh we got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 classic if it came out on 16-bit systems or something like that <laughs> or yeah, a 64-bit I mean, system <laughs> well again like you know it's a D-make. <laughs> I have, well, like, I have, to, I have to watch my words here because, you know, you and I actually have a friend that's connected to all of that. Yeah. And I won't go any further in detailing that. But, like, it just, pers- like, I could see if there had been attempts with that franchise at given points to, like, maybe make it into a different thing that could be fun on that lower tech platform. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but like that franchise just doesn't really lend itself terribly well to such ideas. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a, it's such a 21st century animal in that, it is a competitive online FPS game that whenever it arrives, it's supposed to be generally at the bleeding edge of visual presentation. Yeah. Like those are those are the expectations for that franchise, right? Yeah, I agree. Um so, that's why I kept saying like they should just make a special version for Switch, but that would be too much for them. I mean it's a lot of work and I don't expect them to do that. And it's just going to be like any other water, watered down version of a game that 
we've all seen over right. the years. It just, you know, it winds up being kind of shovelware. Like, yes, it's also available <laughs> on that, but yeah. giant asterisk. It is not the experience that that franchise is intended to be. Yeah. Um, and even if it does do well, right? I don't know. It might. I'm always worried about those games that come out every year or every other year because it's really hard to maintain that sort of quality, especially when you're going to a system that is severely lacking compared to the other platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. You you know they they won't have enough time to invest on the Switch and it's just going to be like kind of like a hand me down. Yeah. <laughs> um but I hope so for the best. I hope yeah. for the best. We'll see what it do and it will be very interesting to see what if anything actually comes of that merger uh, attempt or what uh, will happen if uh, for some reason it doesn't happen. I I just want rare replay. <laughs> Thanks for Goldeneye, but I want rare replay. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. That'd be nice that. on Switch. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun games that are in that compilation, and I think a lot. Oh, absolutely, of, I think they would they would probably sell sell a boatload of copies of that for Switch. I would imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. A, they should focus on that. <laughs> rare replay. <laughs> you tell. That's them. all you need. Yeah. You don't need Call of Duty, just <laughs> so last but not least, um <laughs> there were formal reviews that came out for the PlayStation VR two. Yeah. Um it's part of the state of play. Yes. Presentation. Um what were your impressions of it? Because I get the feeling that you're kind of on the fence about it, probably in a similar way that I am. It looks really interesting, but I feel like there are a lot of titles that are just kind of, there's some that are just adding the feature to their existing game, like the Resident Evil games, of course, Mm -hmm. and Gran Turismo. And then there are games where I, I was watching what they had to offer, and it looked like you could just do that on a normal game that doesn't require vr right and i don't see anything special about it yeah however there was one game that was really interesting and it was called before your eyes Mm. and the reason why it was interesting is because it the the vr2 headset is able to track your eyes what they're doing and in that game every time you blink the scenario changes and i think that's awesome yeah i mean again you know so many times with new platforms or whatever you know there's that age-old truism where it's all about the killer app it's all about the thing that allows you to experience the features of a given piece of hardware that are not possible otherwise right yeah so yeah, I mean, I I know it's got a very high price tag. Um, is it like six hundred bucks? As much as the PS Five itself, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so like that's definitely a hurdle to adoption. Um, even though, like, uniformly, 
most media outlets that have gotten to explore it and get their hands on one, like they say the build quality is exceedingly good. Like the controllers are good. The sensitivity is great. The sort of calibration process by which you identify the area in your environment that will constitute your physical play field Mm -hmm. apparently is really, really nice in terms of being able to configure it with precision. Yeah. So like, it's just going to so come down to how much support it gets, you know, who's willing to take a really big leap of faith and invest in a sub platform of a major platform that may never quite get the support it deserves. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of questions about it, but it just, it feels like that's kind of a damn shame because apparently Sony really did their homework well with this one. And yeah, people say it's got that nice build. There's only the one cable that connects from the headset to the console itself. And it's just like one U- relatively light USB-C cable. Hopefully um, it's long. <laughs> yeah, it, it, apparently it is. Um, the other way that it might wind up being something. And unfortunately when this was said, I was watching digital foundry video, digital foundry's video on it. John mm-hmm. Lennon was talking about it. And <clears throat> Unfortunately, this made me think immediately of PlayStation TV Mm -hmm. in that right now, if you plug that PSVR 2 headset into a PC, it doesn't connect as anything. Like, it just doesn't register. Hmm. But it could. And that could conceivably be a way that, like, you know, VR headsets on PCs can be much more expensive. And so if Ah, this one was sort of proved itself like a decent solution for PC, they could probably actually sell quite a number of those. And then realistically, like given that Sony is already publishing games for PC now, it almost seems like they would be better off like pursuing support for that for that particular platform on pc as well so who knows i mean it might not happen and it might just be the sort of sad afterlife that playstation tv had where like hackers have completely chopped that thing up backwards and forwards and now it supports the entire vita library and can do emulation and any number of other things Hmm. um i don't know like that's kind of a bummer and like I want it to succeed, but by the same token, like I'm definitely not going to plunk down $600 for that until like there's a worthwhile library we're chasing and that might not come to fruition first. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me of back in the day when the 3ds was out Mm -hmm. and the 3ds had the stereoscopic 3d. Yeah. That was the main feature along with other uh, cool features like Street Pass and the uh, AR stuff. But the stereoscopic 3D was really cool to behold. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the developers that weren't Nintendo kind of felt hamstrung 
to the point where they were like, uh, I guess we got to add 3D to this, even though we don't want to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how I feel that a lot of these VR games uh, are ending up right now. It, like the trailers that I saw, like I said, except for that one game before your eyes, a lot of these games, I, I could imagine you could just play normally and why do you want to shoehorn vr in when you could just sell it as a standalone game and probably sell more that way um so that is an uphill battle for the developers they really got i mean unless sony kind of assists them financially or with the technology like show them the ropes and show them why it's good uh the developers aren't going to see much incentive to to bring vr titles and then you have, like you said, the accessibility to play these games, like to try them out. I think uh, if Sony was smart, they would be doing stuff like having these, uh, I don't know, like demonstration tours around the country or even like, can you imagine like, I, I know in Japan, like in game centers, they had VR, VR sections where they had a VR machine and you can try it and it would be like 200, 300 yen, sometimes more, but you can actually play the game for yourself and see if you like it or not. And mm -hmm. if Sony did that for their VR2 system, I would think that more people would be able to see what it's all about and see the technology that they put in this new headset, which sounds amazing. And I think that would be a great way to get your name out there. And I mean, some people will be able to know whether it's worthwhile to kind of cross the, the line and kind of get the system mm -hmm. or just keep playing it in the game in the game centers, because, you know, it, it uh, the bottom line is it's a novelty. Yeah, it's not required to have a good game experience nor is it something that is a huge draw right now but i mean even if you have it at a game center as well at least you'll still be making a little bit of money right like people playing it and saying like oh that's cool i i probably won't bring it home with me but it's cool to try and i i think it's great and who knows maybe someday when the price drops and I have a PS5. Yeah. Maybe I'll get it. Yeah, I mean, something like that would definitely need some additional unique forms of promotion. You know, whether you're doing like some sort of, I think Nintendo did that back in the day where they did like a college campus tour. Yeah. And like tournament. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if they came up with like one of the most common games to all those platforms is like the Beat Saber game. Yeah. Like that's on the Oculus and a bunch of the other ones. And that one is also playable at like certain game centers that, you know, have set that up. But like if you had that kind of activation for it where a lot of people could actually get their hands on the technology and have that experience, um, preferably with some game that made really really clever use of the hardware that you might be able to get over in that fashion but again i think like the even bigger hurdle to wider adoption of that 
you know, for me, it's kind of the same reason why 3D TVs failed is that you're introducing this additional element that requires the user to do something physically different than is just like kicking back and playing a game. And the moment, you know, the more you sort of push it out of that realm of like normal leisure time, you know, the smaller that potential player pool gets. Yeah. I mean, I I know it's going to be hard to make it so that the headset itself is not going to be noticeable when you wear it. Right. I mean, be nice to kind of like just wear like a light player, a pair of glasses that you could see everything or something that projects the game. That would be, you know, straight out of Star Trek or something like that, like a holodeck. Right. It was <laughs> like, like Minority Report. Yeah. We had those screens. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's cool, but, like, I definitely have that sinking feeling where it's just like, all right, in five years, like, there might be one at a dusty corner of Bookman's that's, like, yeah. $200. Yeah. And nobody really wants it anymore. Or... Or they do, but know. it's kind of a very niche thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you think about it, VR is not for everyone. I mean, anyone with motion sickness, oh my god. <laughs> That's right. going to be yeah, pretty tough for them to even think about playing it. So I Yeah, I mean, that's imagine. something that's still a barrier for a lot of players. Like, yeah. even with just 3D games in general. Exactly. So, so. VR, tough hill to climb, but... Hey, did you know that uh, in Japan, they're actually going to bring out a Street Fighter for VR? I, you, you showed me that, and I was oh. just like, you know what? That's another thing that, like, if I were there and I saw it, I would definitely play it just to be able to say that I had played it. Yeah. But I'm certainly not thinking that, like something like that is going to replace me like sitting down with some hyper fighting or super turbo or street fighter six for that matter. Oh, you know definitely I mean? not. Like, it's just a weird, like novelty. Hey, this, we did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'll yeah. play it. I mean, yeah. it's not in Osaka yet. It's near, uh, Tokyo, uh, right. the two places you can play it, I believe. But yeah, I mean, I, I play a couple games and blog about it or whatever, but that'd be it. I mean, right. It's not something I want to play at home. Exactly. Kind of weird. But <sighs> yeah. Well, Eddie, this has been another fine outing of Oh God, It Hurts. Yeah. Um, Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Um, for everybody that tuned in, thank you once again for listening to this episode. Um, we will continue, of course, and we hope that you check out all of the other terrific podcasts right here on the Ruminations Radio Network. See you next time.